afternoon and happy Sunday, Brewing Black family. Yes, yes. Uh, my name is Scholar P. And it's T. Shaw. And we want to welcome you to Brewing Black, a place where we talk about black popular culture on a national level, on a local level, here in the City of Angels, and of course, right here at UC of LA. T. Shaw, you said you're doing good. Yeah, man. It's been a good week. I always say it's been a good week, but... I don't know. It's on blessings on blessings. I just got approved for uh, my first solo apartment. Hey. Shout out to the boy. I'm grown. Godly man. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's been a lit week. I just had a best friend anniversary. So shout out to Elder. Hey. Um, October seventeenth, popping. Um, that's been my roommate for like four or five years. She's my dog. That's my homie. Um, but she's moving back to Vegas. So. I'm I'm flying out on my own. How's your week, man? Man, week has been good. You know, I I am feeling more balanced than um, ever in my life right now. Ooh, we'd I, love to hear it. Yes, I feel like I'm in a, a space of transition too. Um, I'm I'm just looking for new things, trying to make sure that you know I'm I'm keeping, uh, I'm I'm progressing and you know moving up level by level. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Um, so it's it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. So we always got to do our land acknowledgments. We are sitting around the same spot. Um, so that's the land of the Gabrielino and the Tongva. Yes. This is stolen land. This is colonized land. And we always got to pay, pay those respects. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and we also want to say, um, you know, for those of you who are listening um, on Spotify, please make sure you follow us at Broom Black Podcast. Um, and and that's and that's the Twitter at Brewing Black Podcast as well. Yeah. Oh, it's Brewing Black Pod. Brewing Black Pod. My bad. So, on Twitter. Yes. Yes. So um, be looking out for content from us there. Um, also, you know, as we uh, get started, we want to make room for something that we like to call the light roast. And basically, what that is is, you know, we have to critique something or someone in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and after we do that, you know. We got to, you know, sort of show them some love to the best of our abilities, t right? Absolutely. Um, but the first thing that we're going to do is, you know, give them, you know, give them that love and give them some inspiration. So um, we always try to do some uh, an inspirational quote that goes along with the light roast. And today um, the quote is, we make no apologies for setting high standards. Mm. All right. So once I'm, I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. We make no apologies for setting high standards. T. Shaw, what does that mean to you, brother? Oh, that's a great question. So I think that it really has a lot to do with like your boundaries is being able to be able to voice what um, your needs, your wants, um, things that you desire. Um, the things that you want to obtain. Right. Like, I have high goals. I have ambition. Um, and I will never apologize for that. I'll never apologize for chasing that and chasing those dreams. Um, but also having, when you have high standards for yourself, you have high standards for people around you. Right. Um, and I, I think that that brings out uh, more self-respect. And it also it cultivates a uh, realness around you, a genuine realness uh, amongst the people that you're with. I think when you don't have those high standards for yourself and other people, I think that that allows people to kind of treat you um, worse than you should be treated. You, it, I, I think it's having and knowing your value. Right. What do right. you think? I, you know, I, I totally agree. I, I think that, um, you know, in, in my life, I've, I've definitely had, you know, issues with, with folks. And I think that part of it was that sometimes 
I was allowing my, my relationships and my interactions to continue with people when they were harmful t- to, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tell I was, me about it. Right? But I was so invested in making those interactions and sustaining that that I allowed uh, myself to continue. And, and you know, it's, it's crazy because we'll look at someone else in an interaction and be like, oh, that person's a bad person. They're a shitty person. They're X, Y, and Z. But it's like, well, they can only be that if you allow them to be in some yeah, cases, right? Yeah. And in my case, it was just like, Hey, I don't have to communicate with you. I don't have to try to communicate with you. But like when, but when I'm sort of casting out that net and I continue, and it's not bringing any fish, it's not fruitful mm-hmm. for me at all. Mm-hmm. It's not bountiful for me at all. Then like I only have myself to blame at that point. Yeah. You know. And so you know, uh, it, we 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 see these we see these things, and I think that sometimes uh, another big piece of it is that people think that you are doing wrong by them or putting pressure on them by, you know, setting your standards high and keeping your standards high, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so there was a, uh, a, a podcast called Deadass um, where, where this man, um, I think, I think that his name is uh, Deval and Kadeen. Uh, Deval is an actor. He's on that uh, Tyler Perry show called Sisters. Um, and Kadeen, I'm not as sure, sure what, what she does, but they have a very successful podcast together. And he was talking recently about her putting pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically what he was talking about was this idea of, um, you know, if you're a man or if you're a woman and you ask a man to, you know, be faithful to you and have monogamy, then like, you know, why are you surprised when he wants to have sex with you all the time? And, you know, you know, why, and he was asking women why they, you know, expect monogamy out of men, but then don't give in to um, a man wanting sex all of the time. Mm-hmm. Then he go, then goes on to say that she put pressure on him by saying that when they were living together that, you know, she wanted to um, live, she wanted to get married, um, you know, after like a certain t- amount of time and not, j- and didn't want to just be shacking up. Yeah. Right. And he said that that put pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And when she tried to say that, like, that's not, that wasn't what the case was, he was like, no, you're avoiding the question. That is pressure. That sounds like pressure. That absolutely is pressure. So, mm-hmm. Tisha, what do you think about that? I think that, like, I think that, that <laughs> I think how he took it was a very personal attack. Right. But I think that what she kind of discussed was just that she had standards. She's like, I'm not, my standards putting pressure on you has nothing to do with what, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not actively right. doing it to you because you have a choice to, to either do it or not. So you can't say that someone's forced you into this, this position. And I think that also, like, maybe there needed to be a little pressure. Like, I think that, like, what she said was that she had been living with him for a minute and nothing had been progressing. So right. she wanted to know, like, is this going to be a thing? Or are we going to be, like, a couple? Or are we going to be married? Because I think a lot of people just like to be comfortable, right? Right. And it's just like, he was comfortable knowing that he could just have her um, as his woman and she would do these different things, but he never had to fully commit. Right. And I think that a lot of people like to be half in and half out. So if things don't work out, I can just kind of bounce. Right. And I think that that marriage and engagement is one of those things that like, oh, I, I got to be 10 toes down. But you should be 10 toes down if you're getting these benefits. So I think that how mm. she articulated it is just like, yeah, I think that if you say like this is what I need and she just she was communicative. I think that's the other thing is just like she was able to communicate what her wants and what her needs were. Um, and if that didn't fly, fly with him at any point, he had the option to opt out. And I think that that's what we talk about a lot of the times is like checking in with people, giving them, you give them options to t- top out. Like 
and it, I, I think that uh, that's a making for a healthy relationship. And I also think it is just very, um, I think it was real problematic for him to say that, like, pretty much if we're married, I have right to your pussy anytime I want. That's like, it. I think that that is kind of ridiculous because it's like monogamy. <laughs> I, I, I think that, like, it has more to do than just sex. Like, I think that, like, that, that's a personal problem that he kind of has to have. If you can't come to a, a solid agreement of how much is enough for your partner. And I think that, like, you wanting to step out because you're not getting enough, enough sex. Because what is that? Is that, like, multiple times a day? Like, because right. some people be worn out. Like, I, I think, it, again, it goes back to, like, how we were talking about people want to masturbate with somebody else's body. Like, bro, just go handle that by yourself. Like. Right. Like, let this this thing be a two-person act, and then when you got to do it yourself, like, just go handle that. Like, everybody else probably should, but, like, that doesn't mean that you have to use another person for that. No, no, exactly, and I totally agree, and I think that <laughs> I love this idea of, like, masturbating with someone else's body because it's like... He, he spoke about monogamy as if there was like another choice choice in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's, so it's like, I don't want you to be, my, my monogamy shouldn't be contingent upon how much I do or don't have sex with you. Mm-hmm. The monogamy should be based on the fact that like, we're in a relationship and you wouldn't want me doing that, that to you regardless of what the circumstances exactly. are. Exactly. Right? And so for him to sort of connect, you know, monogamy, monogamy and always being ready, willing, able and available for my sexual desires, mm-hmm. it's just a different thing, right? And so so I, I think that, you know, you go, you were talking about this thing of comfort. And I think a, a lot of us as guys, we definitely get there. Like, I know I've been there before where it's just like, this is really, really comfortable. Um, I, I like, I can put in like minimal effort and get maximum results, but everyone mm. has the right to say, hey, no, like I deserve a little bit better for Absolutely. myself. Right. And then guys, as, as, as men, we have to start to think about like, is that self selfish, selfish and the answer is yes, and it's supposed to be selfish, right? Sometimes being selfish is not being a bad thing. It's, it's someone looking out for themselves because they know that they have to because no one else is doing it. So, like, if you're in a situation with a woman and you're sort of getting all the relationship benefits, like, I, I remember Bow Wow saying something like, I don't want a relationship. I want a best friend that I, I can sleep <laughs> with, that I can yeah. go out go out with and do everything, who will be my everything. But I don't want a relationship. That's like saying you want tomatoes, lettuce, cheese, cheese, uh, uh, croutons, and uh, dressing, but you don't want a salad. Yeah. Like you hate salads. So it's like... But you want all the ingredients. Right, right. And so we... So, you know, fellas, when, some, when a woman, like, puts her foot down and says, like, hey, like, something has to change here because I'm not really getting too much out of it. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking that she's being selfish and that it's a bad thing ask yourself what she is actually getting if she's actually getting what she wants and if the answer is no then like you have to you have to allow not allow her but like you can't be mad at her looking out for her because obviously you're not doing it and i think that that, i think a lot of guys get stuck in that trap yeah i I think that like it it comes down to it it doesn't just come down to sex but i think the sex is where it's kind of evident I think a lot of people were into kind of pleasing themselves. Right. So it's just like the, he's thinking about the relationship from his perspective, but not from her perspective. Because yeah. it's like somebody once asked me, like, what do you bring to the table? And that, that question kind of took me off guard because I was like, what, what you do, mean? What you mean? Like, I bring a lot to the table, but I, I felt like I never had to, like, articulate, articulate it. Yeah. And, but I almost felt offended that, like, there was an assumption that I wouldn't bring anything to the table. Because then at the end of that relationship, I definitely had brought more to the table than, like, she had. Um, 
But I, I think that still, I think it's a good question because I think that a lot of men, I, I, so I, I took it personal. Now I'm trying to say that I took it personal, but now looking back when I understand it. Because right. I, I think that like a lot of men don't bring a lot to the table, <laughs> but they demand so much. Right. And I think that, yeah, I, he, he you can see that he's demanding a lot, but like I don't know what he really brings to the table. Like I guess he, what, he, he, he famous? Well, I mean, and, and, but like even so, right? So like, I, I love and I love that table thing because it's like, fellas, look, I, I don't. We're gonna break it to you right here if you've never heard it before. Mm-hmm. That woman that you're with, she can get someone to be loyal to her. She can get someone to like have great sex with her. She can get someone who can pay pay her bills. She can get like you. You're you're very replaceable, yeah, dispensable, right? Absolutely. Uh, unless like the only thing that you can really bring a woman that she can't get is a very specific and unique connection. Yeah. And a lot of the and and if you're one of the guys who's not even in a relationship, Relationship or in a situationship for for the connection, then you got to realize that like you're dispensable, and like mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of y'all don't bring bring stuff to the table. But we as men sometimes, like you said, T. Shaw, have the audacity to be like, "Yo, where's the bread? Where are the knives? Where are the forks? Where's, yeah. where's the cups? Yeah. I need I you need... ain't make dinner. Right, you ain't rub my back. Like there's just so much that men ask for, and it's like I, I think it kind of goes back to gender roles, though, mm-hmm. right? I think we got to backtrack. It's kind of how we've been ingrained, right? It's like, okay, well, I, I bring D to the table. I bring money. I pay the bills, this, that, and the third. But again, like, that's not anything that anybody else couldn't do. Right. And, and mind you, and, and, this is, and this is my thing, too, because, like, I don't want to put that, that couple's business out, out there in terms of facts, facts, because I don't know this to be true. But, like, some people were in the comments um, of that podcast saying that, you know, he had even cheated on her before. And they, they were on this. Sh- they had a book. They wrote a book called Cheating Was a Choice and all that stuff. And so, like, you what, what men got to realize, too, is that some of y'all, are ch- some of us are actually cheating out cheating on our women and like they've turned down these men who can give us all these things that Tisha just mentioned mm-hmm. like like I said someone can give your woman good sex money uh, loyalty and like she's usually turning those dudes down for you yeah. you know what I'm saying offer you to like betray her whether it be physically emotionally mentally verbally mm-hmm. w- what have you right and so we gotta we, we really have to sort of keep that in mind like Tisha like wh- you, what do you feel like makes people subscribe to these gender roles even in, like, 2020? I think that's a real good question. Um, I don't know. I think it's just how we're taught. I think also, like, maybe if your parents kind of, like, ascribe to those gender roles, it's kind of how you understand relationships. It's like, oh, okay, well, my dad was the provider. He... He didn't. He wasn't really active, like, cause I think that's a, a lot of uh, people I've seen. Don't get me wrong. I've seen some real good dads. That's real active in their lives. They be at the PTA meetings. They be at other things. But I think a lot of dads, like my stepdad's dad, like his dad, I th- I see my stepdad trying to understand like being a father, right? Because his dad just brought he brought money home. Yeah. And he was like, all right, I put a roof over your heart, your head. Um. I, I pay for the house, like I, I I pay for the food. That's it, and it's like you're not really teaching nobody lessons. You're not really giving nobody real like genuine love. It's just providing, and I think that like men have learned that like that is just how you give love, and it's like, but I think it's lazy. It's real lazy because it's like I've seen videos where they talk about, oh yeah, my mom knows my birthday. Like the dads don't be knowing the birthdays. They don't be knowing they. The grade sometimes they don't be knowing their age. Like it's just so many things, but it's like dads get to get away with that because like 
they're the breadwinners. Right, no, and I love that point that you made about uh, providing because I, I remember D.L. Hughley saying that like he grew up thinking that all his only role and responsibility was to prov provide, which on its head, all right, that, that's one thing, but he used it to justify all these other things that he did with his did, did to his wife in terms of like infidelity because he was like, well, as long as I'm providing, I can do whatever I want because mm -hmm. you got a roof over your head, you got food on the table, you got clothing clothes mm -hmm. on your back. And it's and and to your point, it's just like, men, we can be so much more. We have the potential. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone has ever told you, but brothers, I'm telling you right now, you have the potential to be way more than someone who just puts food on the table. Mm -hmm. Like open up your mind, open up your heart, heart, because Ooh. you can you can Thank actually you. connect with your wife, your partner, and your kids on a much deeper level. Yeah. Don't I think we let these gender norms limit us. It's hurting mm -hmm. us as men because we're being limited, mm -hmm. right? We we can't experience our full greatness because we we constrained it and confined it to just providing financially. Absolutely, right? And Absolutely. So, and so it's just like we have to start breaking those things, and it takes these types of conversations to say, bro, you're capable of so much more. You so want to be more. a real boss? Mm -hmm. Know your don't only not only know your kid's birthday, which is a great start, but like, <laughs> but like, or maybe it's not. Yeah, but it's like, our first day. Right, right. Super low bar, but like. Also, maybe when your kid is off, like maybe, like maybe when something is wrong with your kid, be able to notice notice without your yeah. kid telling you. When something's going on with your partner, be able being able to understand that before they have to tell you. Like there, I think there's just so many levels that we don't allow ourselves to get to get deeper into because we're like we have this hard shell, and it's like, hey, as long as I I provide and do that financial work, I don't have to do any other type of labor. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but here the woman has to. You know, she probably has her own job. She's probably doing emotional labor. Labor. She has to yeah. do sexual labor yeah. in some senses, yeah. right? Whoa, talk about and, it. And so it's like, uh, and then, and then, you know, the housework stuff too. And usually, like, if we we talking about twenty, we in 2020. Like, men don't make men. There's a there's a a wage gap for sure between men and women. For sure. Um, but men aren't bringing like they're not the sole providers usually anymore. Yeah. Um, especially in the black community, I think that that's historically just been kind of false. Well, like yeah. women are the mo black women are most successful um people in in the United States like right. per capita like they have they're the, the most maybe depending on how you uh frame success but they're definitely the most educated and that's how I frame success well no no for sure so I think that like I don't know like and also for me I think that like growing up because gender roles were kind of out the window I had a single mom right I've seen her do everything but I also understand that like money isn't as long as you have stuff or you have like the essentials money really doesn't buy you much more than like just the basics because right. I think that like yeah like you can pay for this little trip or pay for these different things but like I really just want you at my football game or mm. I really just want you doing these like these little things that mean a lot teaching me how to throw a football or teaching playing catch with me or just playing the game with me like those little things matter so much more to people long term Word. than like the money that you brought in or the things that like the things you bought me and the things that you could provide. It's like the experiences experiences. I mean, maybe it's because like quality time is my highest like love language, but quality time it, like those those moments you can never buy. You can't put a price on. Right. Right. Yeah. No. And and I, I feel you. I feel you on that too. Um. Cause like I I remember. I remember, like, I've heard a lot of stories about women who have, like, gone and done done the work, came home, cooked, cleaned, had had the sex, mm -hmm. while their man was 
chilling. Yeah. We didn't smoking the weed and playing the video games, mm-hmm. which which is fine, but like you're not doing no work. You're yeah. not bringing no bread home. And then you have the audacity to be insecure and jealous. And then you cheat. Yeah. So like and, and I and I remember like you know, cause I, I speak as a person like I had I had an ex hold me down. Um I was work I had just graduated from freaking Harvard. And I was working temp jobs to like stay afloat. And I had someone who who was a bomb girlfriend who held me down. And like, did I mean? I, and I relaxed every now and again, sure. But like, I worked my tail off because I knew she had a real job, making real yeah. money. And like, it, it's that's how you show your love and care. Like, I didn't have all the money in the world to do anything, mm-hmm. but I made sure that like the dishes were washed, anything, yeah. the the room was clean, yeah. every anything that she needed. And I think that you know. When you should do that if you're in a bad financial situation or if you're in a uh, a good one. It's, it's it's about those little unique things to show that person that you can that you got their back. Yeah. Quick question, because I've been in that position too. Would you mind talking about your mental health during that time? Because I think that like because of gender roles, you feel like you should be able to provide more, right? Yeah. And you did all these things to kind of make you feel one like you weren't like freeloading, but two right. like that you. Were, I don't know that that you brought something to the table. All right. Um, but did you ever feel like a conflict that like maybe I I need to be making money or like did you ever feel like any type of pressure? Um, you know. Or did your partner make you feel better about it? I feel like my my partner under knew, understood and I understood that I wasn't a bum. That was the first and foremost okay. thing, right? So like you have to sort of start there. Like I knew who I was. Like and in my situation, like. I had gotten a job offer less than a month and after I graduated, but mm-hmm. like I knew the type of job I wanted. She knew the type of job that I wanted, mm-hmm. and we knew that that wasn't what I wanted. So we were willing to take the risk um, of you know waiting it out. And for me, it was sort of like um, I I was at these jobs and I knew it wasn't permanent, but I also knew that I had to hustle. I also knew that I wasn't um, I wasn't no sucker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wasn't just yeah. gonna be letting her spend spend all sorts of money and because for me it's like hey look i might not be able to pay pay all the bills but but i can go and get you your favorite cookies from the store you know what i'm saying and i can do and i can do all these other things so that when you come home you're relaxed and you feel like you're royalty because you've been putting in the hard work like a queen you know what i'm saying and so for me it was like i knew that i could provide in so many other ways ways when i can't provide financially that it was a lot easier to get through it and i had a woman who believed in my vision my vision and my dreams you know what See, i'm saying that's good and so yeah, it's like you got and it's like if you don't do that work proactively yeah. like i had to have the confidence in myself to know that like hey i'm in this situation but like this this literally is is as temporary as, as these jobs that i'm taking yeah. but i'm not going to let her fall by the wayside and take care of me all the way mm-hmm. and just like just like a woman who wasn't paying the bills but was handling everything else you know i was doing everything else yeah. for her yeah. she she was great so it, it was i i think that um and I think that if you're a man and you don't understand who you are and you don't understand what your potential is, sometimes that can hit you. Yeah. And, you know, I did have those times where I was like, dang, like, I just graduated from, like, this great school. And I would have people at the temp jobs make jokes like, oh, you went to Duke at Harvard and you're, and you're like, filing, you're, like, filing folders and stuff like that. But I was just like, it's, it's, it's cool. A, it's an it's a ends to a mean. It's like, an ends to a mean. Like, look at me now. Like, I'm chilling. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Because I, 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 I had, I've been in that same situation, but I don't think it was as healthy. So not this past summer, but the summer before that, um, my ex, I was with her, um, and she was working a job, making a bunch of different money, um, and I had turned down an offer that I had to be working in the Bay. Um, but I would have been staying with one of my old roommates, um, and she lived about 
an hour away from where I would have been working at. So I would have had to commute every single day. Right. It was 40, 40 hours a week, and I was just like, I was so burnt out by the end of my, my first year at UCLA. I had just been doing a lot. And, like, my body, I felt like my body was taking a physical toll. Like, I had been sick a few times. Mm. Like, I just, I was having, like, health stuff. And I was just like, I don't feel like I was in a good place. So I wanted to take that summer off to, like, kind of relax. But I would be around there all the time. And because I was there, I was like, okay, like, let me help, help out. Take the dog out, clean up. Uh, yeah, I would just do the laundry, do a bunch of different things. But I felt like it was, it was taken for granted. I think ah. there was one time, I, I remember this specifically, and I was like, this is when I knew it wouldn't work out. It's because I had cleaned up the whole room, did the laundry, did a bunch of stuff all day. And I was really just chilling. And she said, she came in and was like, oh, I thought you were going to do the dishes. You didn't do the dishes. Like, I'm going to have an attitude if you don't do the dishes by tonight. And I was like, whoa. Oh, you got me fucked up. Uh, like, it, I, I think that that's the difference, right? It's just like, we did the same things, but it's like how the person is kind of like how they respond to it. And I think it, when people make money, so this can go for men too. I think when people make money, I think that they feel like they're in a position of power. They're in a right, position right. to demand things. But it sounds like your your ex was very like humble in the sense that like okay that money doesn't mean everything. I think that like because the gender roles were flipped, right? I think that like men come back and they expect everything to be done because they brought back the money. Yeah. And I think that I felt like my ex assumed that role. It's like oh things aren't to my liking, but I pay the bills here, so blah 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 blah. So I think that like I don't know. I think it's I think it's super interesting. I I felt like I I could see how. At least personally, it, I took it, it. It took a toll on me in a way. Like I, I didn't have to be there, so I was shit. I'll just go home, like right. be at my place, because I had enough money for me, but I don't have enough money for both of us. Because right, right, right. I save money, I'm amazing at saving money. But and I knew I didn't need to work, and I didn't need that extra stress if I'm gonna come in. We were we were gonna be starting BGSA. We were gonna try to turn it around. I wanted to use that whole summer to like game plan and get stuff ready. And we saw how that 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 summer got us right yeah, to yeah, do yeah. do what we had to do last year. Um, so I I just think that's super interesting. That like it's how people kind of perceive you and how people like kind of treat you is how it can like play a role in how you perceive yourself in that same situation. So gender roles, I think, is, is a social construct, but people give it social power. Right. And I think that that's the most interesting part. No, no, for sure, for sure. And, yeah, and, and I'm sorry that you went through that experience and didn't have, like, uh, a supportive partner. I, th I think that, um, you know, even, let, let's say, let's, let's rewind back to that summer, um, the summer for you, and then even that summer for me, because, like, ironically, it was the summer, and ironically, I gave up a job in the Bay. That was the job that I got less than a month after oh, graduating. Okay. So... But, like, I would like to imagine, just knowing what I know about you, T-Shaw, that, like, even if I came in and I had been working all day, like, of course, I, I, I want you to, like, do something that can contribute something to the relationship. But I'm not looking at the dishes and be like, that's your role. Yeah. Because I, I made the money. It's like, no, like, I'm trying to chip in, like, because the money is just, it, the money is just to make sure we got a place over our, our head. But, yeah. like, there are duties and activity for the, for the maintenance of our lives that, like, money can't just can't just buy. Like, Absolutely. someone has to sweep regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, like, someone has to wash dishes and take out the trash regardless. regardless yeah. And, like, just because I'm making the money, like, doesn't mean that um, I'm too high or above that either. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Cause, Absolutely. Because I'm, I'm trying to make my partner happy. I'm trying, and I'm trying, and, like, know your strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Like, I have some, I, I've had some people I've interacted with where it's like, doing dishes is not their thing. Mm -hmm. 
So like, I'm gonna do the dishes. I don't care if I'm working or you working. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the dishes because I'm good at that. Yeah. Right. Or, or but someone might sweep because yeah. I don't like to sleep as much. Yeah. Right. So I think understanding that is is really good. Well, I was gonna say like I realized like what you're kind of talking about is what a genuine partnership is. Right. I think like me and my girl now like she'll cook, and I'll just grab the dishes right after because you just cook. So like, let me wash the dishes. Like, and it's it's a teamwork thing. I think that it's a lot to ask somebody to cook and do the dishes right after like right. That, that's super time consuming if one takes 30 minutes and the other take 30 minutes like i'll take 30 you take 30 right so i think that that's how you kind of see a genuine partnership it's like there's you you want to help out like you kind of i don't know you figure where where your strengths are or where you can help out like yeah i don't know i i i think that that's a cool thing and i think that like a, a lot of men can do that too because i think that yeah you might have just went to work and you came home and you're a little tired your girl probably went to work too and she's tired too and if she making the, if she making the food, like, go ahead and help clean up. That's it. That's it. But Make up the bed. And, like, and, so, and so many of us don't don't think about about it like that. But yeah. like, just a PSA call, uh, especially to the brothers out there, um, and and anyone who feels like all you have to do is earn money to have like a certain dominance over your partner, like relationships aren't dictatorships or they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and so if you actually want to keep and sustain and have a strong foundation, find find a way to do like T. Shaw is saying and, and have a genuine partnership, mm-hmm. a genuine one, not a dictatorship, right? Because that, that money can only do so much. Yeah. There's so much that the money can't do in terms of a relationship. Your your bills aren't human. You know Ooh, what I'm saying? Talk about your it. bills are not human. Talk they about have it. no emotional capacity. They'll they'll be paid. But if that's all you can bring bring to a relationship, um, and you can't take into account account the other chores and tasks, all the emotional, mental, verbal la- verbal labor that your partner needs you to invest mm-hmm. in, then then it's gonna fail, right? Yeah, you should be, and you are replaceable. Yes, yes, and you know, speaking of of, of relationships, I want to sort of turn this towards a more political one of sorts, Ooh. right? Um, so our mans, your mans, my mans, you Ooh, know, Mister, right, right, um, Mister N.W.A. himself, Mister, you know, no Vaseline himself, <laughs> Ice Cubicles, you know, um, that was Jamie Foxx reference. Um, <laughs> Mister Ice Cube has actually um, maybe made a discretion, right? And so, for those of you who don't know, um, Ice Cube. Recently, he had something called a contract with Black America. I won't say recently because I don't know how long he's been working on it, but he has a plan for Black America, not for diversity, not for people of color. He has a plan specifically targeted towards Black people in this country, right? Mm -hmm. And he is getting a lot of flat because um, he (laughs) has talked with the Trump administration. You know, Trump has something called the Platinum Plan that we've talked about on this podcast before uh, that's trying to empower um, black America and, you know, people are giving uh, Ice Cube flack for it because uh, he's even having a conversation or entertaining a conversation with Trump and them. Um, <laughs> Trump and, and them. <laughs> and so Ice Cube is, has said that, like, he's willing to talk to Democrats, willing to talk to Republicans, that the Republicans have used um, part of his contract with black America in the platinum plan, but that his, that his plan is not the platinum plan. He wanted to make sure that, like, there's a distinct and clear line drawn. Um, I, I'm going to tell you my issues with this, uh, uh, T. Shaw. So 
it's the assumption for me. Oh. <laughs> it's the assumption for okay, me. Okay. It's like, Talk Cube, you are Mr. NWA. You are Mr. Fuck the Police. You already know how crazy the system is. Mm-hmm. But Bill Maher call, called um, someone a nigga. You, you went on this show and you were like, bro, not only was that wrong, but sometimes I think you'd be sounding like, uh, you know, a, a redneck pick, uh, truck driver. Ooh. And, you know, Ice Cube has always been with it. He's always... You know, he has his businesses that are centered around black empowerment. He has uh, LL Cool J and him are working on like a a black TV network. Mm -hmm. He already has his big three organization. He has all sorts of movies that like are symbolic of like black ownership. Like he's a mogul Mm -hmm. and it's always been centered around blackness and black liberation. And so I think that for everyone, they're looking at him now and they're saying, why would you trust um, Republicans? And I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but like, I've seen prominent black uh, Republicans at conferences and they've said, hey, look, I've tried to get Republicans to focus on the black demographic and the secure black votes. And Republicans have looked him in the face and said, like, it's not really necessary. Why would we why would we try? Mm -hmm. Right. Like Republicans do not need the black vote in order to win. Um, They've won without it plenty of the majority of the black vote. They've won without the majority of the black vote many a time. And so they have no incentive to listen to Ice Cube now, to listen to him later, or to listen to him before any of this happened. And so for me, it's like, Cube, why would you trust them at all ever? Even if they're willing to hear you out and talk with you, the assumption that that means that any changes will actually, you know, come to the table is 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 you know shocking to me. Like, what have they done within these last four years to make you even think that they are worthy of your time? Right. Last four years, last forty years. Right, right. And 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 T-Shaw, like he was he was talking about how he sort of like you know read read a book and like could you break down why you know maybe reading a book. And in in saying that you have that knowledge might not necessarily be the best thing for someone in his position to say. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think that like I really want to preface this by saying like I I hope this doesn't come off as elitist, um, and I hope you can understand kind of where I'm coming from. But that there are people that really study this. There are people that kind of dedicate their lives to this. So if you go out and you watch a documentary or you go out and you read a book and you're moved by that. That, I think that that's exactly what it was supposed to do. Right. It was supposed to get you into the conversation. It was supposed to get you knowledge. And I'm glad that you you felt a need for action because I think there's so many people in the academy that don't feel the need for action. They're, like, they're just kind of consuming this knowledge, but they don't want to do anything about it. Um, so I, I do commend Ice Cube for that, but I think that like he has put himself in the position as an expert, and I think that that's where it's kind of problematic. Like, don't Don't get me wrong. He deserves a voice in the conversation. But like, did you not? You he he could have tapped anybody, especially like as a celebrity of his status. Like he could have tapped Angela Davis. He could have t- tapped. I mean, he could have even tapped Common because Common at least is a little bit more ingrained into like the social issues and like how think people are going about things. Right. Talk to Angela Rye. Talk to Janelle Monae. Talk to Maxine Waters. Like he he could have. He went to the top dog with his own plan as if he was the expert. But it's like there are so many people that study this. I think that like. It, it shorts how much work that other people kind of have been doing in this field. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that that's where it really goes wrong. And I think just like you said, like there, there is no reason for the Republican Party to ever really care or cater to the black vote. Right now, and I think they are in a, a position where there's a lot of white Americans and there's a lot of people that are um, dissuaded by politics. And I don't, and because they're doing so terribly in the polls, I think that they are willing to, to, uh, to cater to the black vote a little bit. And I, I think that in that sense that Ice Cube is getting pimped out. But um, my girl was just reading a book for her class. It's called Winner Take All Politics. And it was talking about how 
the Republican Party, it, it never really needs the black vote. It never really needs um, to change its position because the, the position that it's in, it is prefaced on conservative values and it caters to a lot of uh, just like rich people. So I think with those two like demographics, like conservative values cover so many different things, whether that be like with abortion or whether that be like economic like conservatism. Yeah. Um, and I think that like if we t if we're talking about like religion and abortion, I think that 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 goes across color lines. We we think of Latinos who are predominantly uh, Catholic. There's a lot of Black people in the South that are um, have just con more conservative values, more traditional values. So I think that there are so many things that draw people into the Republican Party. Um, so they don't ever really need to like, I don't know, shuck and jive for it. But what they did was they did pimp Ice Cube because they know that they're black men. I think that they're what they're doing are they're targeting black men because black women don't really fall for it. Yeah. Um, but we saw that um, even when the last election, 2016, that some black men voted for Trump. Bro, did you see this guy named Vernon Jones doing a crowd surf at the Trump? Right? Yeah, because <laughs> uh, it just reminds like it, it do be it do be us things like we really be out here cooning, cooning. so hard. And drive oh and my god! And drive. Like oh my god! No, but I I think you you made you made so many great points there. Like just the idea that like conservative values um, they they just expand across so many things like I might not someone a, a conservative might not like Trump but if you think Democrats are gonna get get uh, attack your gun laws you're gonna vote for Trump Absolutely. Trump right so like it there there's so I, I think to your point there is no reason that they have ever had to appeal to us and they don't mm. need to we are only 13% of the population an yeah. estimated 13% of the population all you gotta do is appeal to a critical white mass yep. of conservative people and like you said they plans are the numbers right they'll always be competitive exactly exactly and then you have and then like you were saying before it's not just white people who have conservative values shoot like my, my family from the south like uh, you bring up lgbtqia rights uh -huh. or, or, or things of that nature like it's not something that we grew up being accustomed to yeah. and so like you you know you have you, you, it might be something as simple as that like oh yeah. biden biden is gonna allow x y and z and it's like oh no nope. i don't i don't think so mm -hmm. it can be not. one issue that really turns people off right of the democrats and they'll they'll vote for that one single issue there the republicans i think they have really they have it's a jig because like they get a lot of people to vote for them just based off one value right. like there are so many people right. that don't agree with what's going on socially that trump does but they're like his tax plan business-wise is way better than joe biden's and that's the only reason they'll vote for him right. there's people like oh the democrats want to have abortion Oh well, they want to repeal Roe v. Wade. Why would I not vote for that? I'm gonna go to hell if not. Like, right, right. so I think that there are just so many different things that like that the, the Republican pe people uh, can really like hustle black and brown people for. But I think the one thing that disappoints me the most is that like, yes, I understand that we do need we need a specifically black plan. Right. Like, we can't be folding into people of color because we do have different struggles. That is true and that is real. But what we can't do is sell out for an opportunity to be treated well, better than other minority groups, even if you do believe that the Republican Party would do that, I think that like for you to kind of get into the door and close it on other people, I think that that is not, the, that is not a step toward liberation, that is a step toward becoming the oppressor. Ooh, and I think that there's good. a lot of black people that kind of want that. They don't really want equity. They don't really want to change and liberate. They, they just want to be seen as white people. 
Well, yeah, and, and, I, and, and I love that point because I have two things to say around that. So first of all, you know, we, I've, talk, I've had conversations with my friends in classes recently, and, and, they've, and they've talked about the anti-black sentiment. And they're people of color. They've talked about the anti-black sentiment that they have. In their community. Right. But, it, but it's like black people deal with the same thing. I, I've, had, I've had black family members say, like, hella, like, racist things about Latinx folks mm-hmm. or about LGBTQIA folks. Mm-hmm. And so, like... I, I, I totally agree that like sometimes black people like we want we want that like this this blackness and like Ice Cube as a, a heterosexual like black black male like the privilege that he has even within blackness Absolutely. so like we say like a blackness plan like like what sector yeah. of blackness is that benefit? Me, like right? were any women a part of this plan making? Because like and and, and Tushar, that that's another part too that, that really got me like. It, what like what you were saying earlier? I remember Ti. Um, someone asked him, like, you know, would you want to speak to Trump, or if you had the opportunity, would you? And he was like, I would get people way smarter than me, like Congressman John Lewis, God rest his soul, or like mm-hmm. Angela Ryan, stuff like that. And it, and it always seems like, you know, you have the celebrities like the Kanyes, or you know, even the Ice Cubes. It's like we need your platform and we need your money, but we don't necessarily need your voice sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that not centered at least. Yeah, not centered, right? And it's like. And we talked about this before when we were talking about NBA protests and stuff like that. Um, this guy named uh, Chris Broussard, he was talking about players and actual uh, politicians and activists coming together in a coalition. And that's who should be presenting a plan, Absolutely. right? Like Ice the Cube. Coalition. Right. Yeah. Like that's like we, we're, I think black people get so caught up in like, you know, making, trying to make a splash. Mm-hmm. And when you got all these little drop, droplets of water everywhere, when, we sh- when this should be a hose. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It all should be focused. Absolutely. We should all be coming together because Ice Cube has the resources to get in touch with anybody that he wants yeah. to. And instead, what he did was he made he his made his own plan. And, and like maybe that was, he had some. Some people with with him in, in that in, in that, but like these other people, like a Maxine Waters or Angela Rye, like mm-hmm. they it doesn't seem like they were included in the conversation, yeah. at least from the outside looking in, and that's disappointing because you have the capacity to do that, Q. Yeah, and it would have been so much more powerful. I loved how you said that there there were so there were so many pockets of water, right? But like Ice Cube wanted to like melt and be his own thing, yeah. And it's just like you become just a singular little puddle when we can be this 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 holes we can be this lake of togetherness because there's a lot of people that are working on these things singularly and i think when we come into collectives there is more of a an action toward that i think that that's what coalitions are for and i know coalition work is hard because like you got to come onto the same page you got to be able to agree with each other it it has to be democracy is work democracy is real work but i think that that's what the power of it is so i think that like ice cube missed a real opportunity and that's why he's getting He's getting smoked. And I heard him sit down and like try to explain himself. He was just like, he gave his plan to the Republicans. He gave his plan to the Democrats. The Democrats ain't really hit him back. And he opened to talking to him. But he's like, I- I'm not for one party or the other. I don't think that the Democrats are that much better. And we've talked about this. But I think he had a different plan of action than we kind of had. It's not that, oh, because the Democrats are kind of trash too. Like, well, I'm, I'm up for anybody that really want to take up my plan. Because it's like, in reality, we have known for the last 40 years that the Republican Party has has insidious policies, insidious, tr- like, just the, the, the thought and their actions toward not only black communities, but black and brown communities, but specifically black communities, have been detrimental. So why would they change 
their pace now? Even if they adopted part of your plan, and even if they say this is for black people, what makes you think that once they get in office that they are just going to change their tone? Well, and T-Shaw, you, and you, made, you make a beautiful point there because, once again, Ice Cube doesn't even have this meeting or entertain this meeting if he's been looking at the way that Trump has talked about Latinx folks. Mm -hmm. Because when you when, because when your priority is humanity, yeah, then when people cross that line for for any identity, whether yeah. it be one, women, veterans, uh, you know, uh, people who are who are like not mentally able, like like you're like oh no, like mm -hmm. you can give black people the world, but like if you're disrespecting these other humans. Like I, I can't, I can't rot with you, and yeah. that, and I'm not gonna let you use me as your little black face yeah. to sell it to, uh, to sell it to other black people <laughs> who it. might be on the fence. Like, uh, but like so many people trust you, Ice, and so like you can't, when you entertain a conversation with the Republicans, because he's saying that he doesn't care either way, but that's because in your black, rich, recognizable body, you feel like the experiences will be will be about the same for you either mm -hmm. way. But if you have, but if humanity is a priority, you yeah. can say, hey, look, my life might not change at all depending on whether it's Democrat or Republican, but because I care about people, Absolutely. I know that this person's life will drastically change if Trump is elected yes. or the worst. And because I'm a human, yes. I care about that and I can't entertain. So and and that's what like black power and that's what black liberation that's what all of that is because black is not only just in color or a race right it is a positionality preach and so that that's what I really want if y'all can get anything from this podcast and this show today is just knowing that black is about positionality of course there has racial implications we have to attack anti blackness in other communities but it's also attacking discrimination and yes the 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 degradation of like humanity really that's what it comes down to not being able to respect somebody else as a human because of these different factors that kind of like make us different right so but we have to know that blackness is a positionality so i know we can't put it on a binary but if you're not white then you're black in a bunch of different ways you treat it as like the other so if you, black is just other you're not white so you're not us you're not on our team you on a team so i think that like knowing that like all that that's why I'm like Ice Cube, if he would have talked to somebody then he would have known, or if he would have read more than he would have known. Like I, I know you study a little bit, bro, but like Dr. Umar studying, he'd be missing the point too. Like so it, yeah. it's knowing that like the history of this like this action has been to liberate all people. So if you're just kind of taking it for like the black group because nobody's ever looked out for the black group. That's true. I understand that. But knowing if you're just looking out for the black group, you're doing the same things that the other groups have been doing, and we're never going to ever make no progress. We're going to always be in the same spot doing the same loop. We got to be able to break it somehow. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's like, <laughs> it, it'd be one thing if the Republicans had like a history of like actually king or like including black people in anything that they do. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Well, you know what? I won't even. I won't. I, I had a, I had a nasty comparison. I'm, I won't even do it. I won't even do it. But like, um, yeah, it, it's it's just it's just too much, cube. But like, sort of going off of that, right? I think that you you talked a lot about him re reading and researching and trying to be informed. And I think that um, I think he's he's at a level that a lot of a lot of people don't even get get to because a lot of people with politics it can be so hard to digest and, mm -hmm. and think about and so you know and, and trying to be a, a podcast that you know is uplifting and understanding you know we want to talk about a few of the props that are you know sort of going on um, and so let's start so for and, and we're gonna and today we're gonna talk about those that are specifically in in LA 
Um, so for those of you who, who are listening, yes, and in California. So for those of you who are not um, from Cali, uh, be, feel free to skip skip past this part. But uh, we have a responsibility. We're we're on you know stolen lands, land that was ripped from people, and we're on we're on land that has real consequences for um, all sorts of people today. And so I think it's our duty to be informed to the best of best. Um, uh, you know, of our extent, yeah. and to at least have these conversations, not to necessarily give you orders and a command of what to do, but to allow you to think about why you might want to support something or why you might not, right? Absolutely. By nature, we're researchers, so we're just kind of teaching you how to be an educated voter, how to um, be able to research and understand what you're looking at, because I think that with the problem with law and the problem with a lot of, like, high... I don't want to say, like, because it's not higher than what you can think. It's just written in a different language. Right. And so what we're trying to do is teach you how to code switch, teach you how to read the law, read, like, election stuff, and be able to decipher it. And it's like when you take the SAT, you learn. It's not that you learn in the test. You learn in the tips and tricks of the test and how you can, like, understand what they're asking you. Um, So, yeah. So I think one of the first ones we kind of want to get, get into is Proposition 16. Yes. So Proposition 16, even how it's read, it's kind of hard to understand. You don't know if it's for affirmative action or against it. But Proposition 16 is um, looking to repeal Proposition 209. 209 was put in place to ban affirmative action. So 16, to make it simple, 16 is bringing back affirmative action. Um, the best way I can always think about it is higher education. So we just, uh, I attend, well, Scholar P attends UCLA. I just graduated from UCLA. Um, and what I learned while my two years on campus is that um, before Proposition 209, um, the black percentage on campus was much higher. It was probably around like 10 to 15 percent. That is, that is way higher than what it is now. We're sitting at God. about 3 percent. So it, it, the thing is, it, it represents LA more. Like, like if you look at like what LA looks like, 10, 15% is the, the makeup of the city. So that you would think that that's what the makeup of the school would be. Logically. Logically. Um, these are the students that are attending y'all schools, and you should be able to kind of bring them in and bring them up to speed. Um, so that's what it was for, for years, and that's why ASU was a thriving organization. That's why a lot of black people at that time was a thri- thriving on campus. Um, when it was banned, it dropped drastically to about 3%. And again, it, it doesn't give students the opportunities that they deserve. So I've been telling the students in my class that are juniors and seniors, I'm like, I don't know what your parents are really going to vote for, but I need them to vote yes on Prop 16 because they're living in these these destitute conditions. Like, it's not that they're they're struggling, struggling, but like, their friends are getting shot. There are gangs on the, their street corners. There are things that they can't do. They're, they don't have a, as much opportunities as a lot of kids. And things like that, social, emotional, like the, those, those travesties affect you academically. You can't, you can't score as high on the test. You can't care about your work as much. Your schools are doing worse. Like you get, your schools have less funding. Like there's just so much that's going on. Um, and still these students are, are doing pretty well. They're getting about two sevens, two eights. Some are getting 3.0. Some are getting 3.3s. Um, but their 3.3, you're not looking at that. Their 3.3 weighs so much more than some little Timmy at, at Brentwood High or little Timmy at private school with a 3.3. Yes, at, at little preppy university. And so, um, and so, Tisha, what you're basically saying is that 
if if you want to sort of help e even the scales because you know affirmative action it's it's asking you to to consider race and not and, and but but it's not giving black people any type of like you know unfair advantage because that yeah. that's what a lot of people you know try to try to make affirmative action and it's like no a lot of quality black people who deserve to be in schools are overlooked absolutely because of, and, and affirmative action like if if this country wasn't as racist as it was, maybe we could have a different conversation. Mm -hmm. But like, there are certain places that people are not even looking to, certain neighborhoods, um, certain communities that you're not even thinking about and you're trying to overlook um, because affirmative action isn't a thing. Affirmative action is saying, hey, there is saying there are a lot of quality, quality black folks out there. There are a lot of quality minorities out there and we are forcing you to consider uh, their race race in that because there are a lot of quality people that you are missing yeah. and and those quality people that you're missing they're going to help your institution and if you treat them right maybe there'll be um, some some great great alums who donate and who build build the reputation of your school up right imagine like I don't know her history but like um, you know there there's so many like great black black folks um, from, who have come from these PWIs, like Ava DuVernay was, you know, was, is a UCLA, UCLA alum, right? So, like, imagine all of these, like, minorities not ever being at these PWIs because they weren't, they, um, they weren't given a chance to be seen for their greatness. Um, and so that's, that's what you have to think about. I think a lot of times affirmative action is, tries to make you think that, like, oh, like, you're giving someone who, who's a sucky student, a horrible person, a lazy, no good hoodlum, a chance to be at this great school. It's like, no, you're allowing this quality, awesome, super, super smart person to, like, come come to the school and be at the school because this person would have normally gotten overlooked if you went based on your usual admissions algorithm. Absolutely. And I, I don't think that that conversation is had enough. Like, admit, like affirmative action helps you see the quality, the quality minorities and quality black people um, to, um, who, who you're usually missing. There's so many roses, to, to quote Pac, there are so many roses that grow from the concrete, but we're not used, used to looking at concrete for plants oh. in life. Yes. Right. Affirmative action says, no, there's something that has managed to grow from that concrete. And that's why there's that that concrete means way more than that property plant yeah. plant yeah. <laughs> that came from this soil that, that has always had great sun, water. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if this rose looks like this rose, but this rose has been growing in a garden and this rose looks the same, but it came through this concrete, like, you have to take this rose. Right. And I think that, like, so what you've been kind of, like, exposing is, like, the difference between equity and equality. Well. Equality. So, uh, Elder and I were just talking about this yesterday, but, like, what we see now with equality is that, like, okay, say we both have to run a 100. Right. 100 meter dash. But in my 100 meter, I have five hurdles, I gotta do five push-ups, and then I also gotta... I, I don't know, do a little steeplechase or something. I don't know. You gotta, I got to do a long jump. Like, I, I have a different race than what you're running, but you're only looking at, like, okay, what time did you get at this 100-meter dash? Like, who crossed the finish line first, and, like, what was y'all time? Right. That's how things are often set up. But with equity, it forces somebody to, 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 to recognize the obstacles that I had to do. So even if, yeah, say I ran a 10-5 and she ran a 10-flat, like my ten five, with all that I was up against, is it, it weighs so much more. I had to do so much more training to even get to this point, and I think that that's what equity does. And I think when you're taking an anti-racist framework, um, the quota system that is sometimes even built into affirmative action, like saying that you have to take at least eight percent of black students, 
people think that there are other people being shorted, just like you were saying, like, oh, little Timmy, um, he gets to lose his spot when he has higher numbers than this student. But it's like, little Timmy can still go to all these other places. Little Timmy is not going to be out of options. Marquand might. Like, right. right. <laughs> and, it's a real thing, yeah. And it's, uh, when, when you're being explicitly anti-racist, you have to understand that, like, historically, and people love to be like, oh, well, it's not the same anymore. But historically, like, black and brown people weren't allowed in these spaces. They weren't even allowed in these spaces. So for so long, these people couldn't. So that's why there's, there's wealth gaps. That's why there's income gaps. That's why there's so many different gaps, achievement gaps in general. So if th- this is more than just this one person. It's more than little Timmy. Little Timmy gonna be cool. The white race is gonna be cool. But giving a black student a chance because of linked fate, it's gonna, it's gonna do so many different volumes. Like if I, if I let... If Marcus gets in, then his little brother has something to look up to because I know I can still get into school. It, it has it has a ripple effect, and I think that that's the thing with like affirmative action and equity in general. Like people think it's discriminatory, but it is pretty much it, what it's working to do is reverse the discrimination that we've kind of historically seen. So if you have to give spots to other people and other people aren't getting that, it's not discrimination. Is actually the opposite of that. It's dismantling the system because we can't have equality. We can't run the same race until we've been put in the same race. Right, right. So you exactly. have to. You, I, I have to clear these these obstacles. I have to be able to take these things off. So once we are running the same hundred meter dash, we can look at who got the best time because it's, it's based off of that. But if you've been getting trained since you've been four to run this race, and I haven't, and I got all these obstacles, and we still are kind of close, then like I'm a much better athlete than you because I have a higher potential. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We're not we're not running the same the same race, and we'll have to talk more more about that in the future because I think that you know people don't know how to have that vi- that vision. It's like um yes yes we're we're both on a racetrack but you can't see all the other things that I'm dealing with because of my different identities mm. and the intersection of, of those because you haven't been trained to and society has intentionally sort of averted your gaze. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll have to talk about that more in the future. But but also with, with Prop 22, can you can you sort of give the people um, who are here in California a, a sort of um, summary of, of what that is and what voting yes and no might mean? Yeah, so Prop 22 is the, the proposition that's looking at um, uh, fair wages for uh, gig workers, which are employed by Lyft, um, Uber, Postmates, different things like that. The ride sharing app, the app services, mm-hmm. services really those service workers. Um, Prop twenty two. So so the I don't know if it's Supreme Court somewhere in California, a higher court of law or bill maker looked at it and said that this is unfair. There are people not being paid and compensated the wages that they should be, um, and that they, they are independent contractors. So I think Proposition 22 is, I, I, I don't want to butcher it, but I want to say that like something is looking at making them independent contractors, and there's a lot of money going into the campaign by Lyft, Uber, um, Postmates. Uh, it's about $158 million um, dollars going in, or $148 million going into this campaign for people to vote yes, because it is in their benefit to not pay people a fair wage. They're saying that, like, if you vote no, then um, 
they're like they I think the assumption is that lift workers, like all of them are part time workers. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's how they should be paid. Right. But some people do it as a full time gig. So but they don't get benefits, they don't get like you, their hours, you know, you only can work a certain amount of hours. So you, you would have to pay fairly compensate people for working forty eight hours or forty hours or eight hour work week. Things like that. Um there's just labor protections. There are no labor protections right now because they are I guess consider independent contractors that are considered something um, else. So voting no is voting for the protections, but there's so much money going into it. If you get into a lift, um, you'll see that it says to vote yes because it is in their interest. Like they've pushed so many campaigns. If you get on YouTube in California, if you get on Hulu, all of that will tell you to vote yes and they'll tell you why. They'll put a person up on dialysis that drives, that they're doing part-time to make a little bit of money. It, It has a lot of... Yeah, it's just it's a misinformation campaign. Um, so yes, yeah, so vote no, because um, voting no means that you're working to get these people um, fair compensation and uh, actual work hours. Um, because these Uber drivers and these Lyft drivers have been going on strike um, because they aren't getting enough money. Mm. Awesome, awesome. Well. Um, well, we're going to talk a tiny bit more about that when, when we get back. We're going to take a brief um, break, but stay tuned because we got that and, and some more great content coming for y'all. Um, this is Scott P. T. Sean. You're listening to Brewing Black. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. For those of you um, who are just now joining us, um, when we left off, T. Shaw was talking about Proposition 22, mm-hmm. um, and he was you know, sort of talking about why it was important. T. Shaw, do you want to sort of go over with the people who, who might look at what you're saying and, and be like, look, this is really complicated. Like, I don't know all the logistics around Proposition 22. Like, what would you suggest for them to like, make it a little bit easier to digest? Absolutely. So first, I want to shout out Uninterrupted Podcast. Ooh. I want y'all to give them a, um, a follow. Yes. They've been doing great work around the propositions they have outlined every single one we'll probably hit a few um but we really we i think we politically align with them and we have a a lot of the same um understandings of the political system but they they kind of put it best and i just want to read what they said so they said voting no on uh, prop 22 so prop 22 is looking for app-based drivers as contractors and labor policy initiative but they said anytime a multi-million dollar company is Fund, heavily funding a proposition. Remember, I said they are funding them at about $148 million here in California. Um, anytime there a multi-million dollar company is uh, heavily funding a proposition, it's, just, it's something you should probably stay away from. Want to know why? Because they never have community's best interests in mind. They're self-serving and they're trying to generate capital. They're, right. they're money motivated. Right. Um, these companies want Prop 22 to pass so they can avoid obe- uh, obeying the law, and we can't let that happen. Um, so for me, what first concerned me is that I've seen ads everywhere. So what I went on to was Ballotpedia. So no, no matter where you live, we live in California, but no matter where you live, if you go onto Ballotpedia, it outlines all of the ballots. Now, it's hard to read with the language, but again, what we said is we're researchers. So I wanted to know like who was funding or what and why they were funding it. So when I looked into Proposition 22, the people that were funding it were um, these apps like Uber, Lyft, uh, Postmates, people that are the, the companies that are that are heavily invested in it um, and paying people less. And then it was the Republican Party, and there there were some like Republican um, uh, like leaders like in California. 
Um, so for w- what that tells me is that, like, I don't trust, again, like we said, I don't trust anything that the Republican Party really has to say. Um, it all, They often don't work into my benefit. They often work into big businesses' right. um, benefits. Um, they're into saving money for the rich and less taxes for the rich. Um, again, these are never things that really benefit the community. Um, so that is why I'm most skeptical for Proposition 22. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. What are, what are you? What are your thoughts about it? I, I just feel like I, I just feel like this. You know, imagine you know you busting your tail for Lyft and Uber, and you know you're you're loyal. You get great reviews, great tips. All, da 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 da. Let's say something happens, or you or you get sick, and you can't work with with them to the same capacity anymore, right? A lot of people, and a lot of people can probably appreciate that, especially during uh, COVID times. People have had transitions with jobs or not been able to work, working to the same extent. And you've put in all this, these hours and shown your loyalty to this company, but now they're not obligated to you in any sense of the word because you're an independent contractor, Mm -hmm. right? And so just imagine putting your blood, sweat, and tears into like trying to be the best worker and then something happened um, um, that, that makes you not able to work. Now the company is like, well, we don't owe you anything and like the only thing that you get paid is is the stuff that you get paid when you do your rides which is probably isn't all that much mm-hmm. um you know what i'm saying and so uh it isn't taking an account for the hours you're driving around and different yeah. things like that yeah like there are things that can be happening you you can be putting in the same amount of time as somebody else and they happen to get a few more rides than you and then they're making more money right um we know how california traffic works so if you only can like once things pick back up like if you only can pick up one or two people every like few hours because you're in prime time traffic. I think that that has a lot to do with it. And I also think that the one thing that most concerns me is that Lyft and Uber are threatening to to uh, leave California if this doesn't pass. Mm-hmm. And they were a part of the, uh, the, the writers of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is really only in your interest. And if you really are considering leaving here, then that is telling me that you really are that invested in not paying people what they're worth. Right. Ooh, ooh, that's and that's a bar. That's a bar, right? So so if you're that invested in not pay, paying people what what they're worth, it tells me that like you care way more about yourself and your own profit yeah, than, than the make, service. Then and and caring about the people who are making you the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um though those are some of our thoughts on, on proposition 22. Um but like you know, for those in the comments or for those who are who are hearing this, you know, we want to know what you think. DM us some of your your thoughts um, about Proposition 22 and why you might want to support it or why you might not want to support it after uh, listening to us. You know, um, but 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 as we think about you know transitions and and you know Lyft and Uber are talking about leaving out of California, but I I want to you know transition us to thinking about what happens when someone leaves out of your life. Oh, which with with your things. With oh. your things, mm. um, T. Shaw, this I'm is familiar. yeah. Look, look, man, look. I don't, I can't, I don't know about you, man, but I've definitely been in a situation where, you know, someone has left my life, and it's and I and I don't really care about that person leaving my life, but it's it's about the things that they might have taken with them. Yeah. Um, I, you know, anytime I'm talking to a woman, and like, you know, let's say she she stays. She stays at night and she stays for a long time and she, you know, wants to take a t-shirt home. I'm literally now like, no, you cannot have my t-shirt <laughs> at all, ever. And why? Because people have taken my articles of clothing and when we stop talking, I never see it again. Yeah. You know who you are mm-hmm. and, and, and one of you I'm sort of cool with and one of you I'm not. So, like, I, I, like, I still want my stuff back, but I'll never see it again and you yeah. got to make peace with that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm very, very particular about people leaving with my stuff and not 
bringing it back. Tisha, have you ever gone through something like that? Bro, yes. And it, it like especially with articles of clothing. Like I I oh, there's this one girl, Ashley. If I ever caught her on the street with oh, the hands. Because my mom had bought me this uh this Saints hoodie um that she got when she was in New Orleans. I probably had it for maybe like a month, month and a half. And she was anemic, so she was like shivering and stuff. Um and she was like she was asking people like could she used her hoodie and I had taken my I had taken mine off and it was in my bag. So I was like, Yeah, you can use it. And we used to kinda talk and out of nowhere she just like moved schools. And I never got my shit back. I was like, that's crazy. Um but yeah, like it's like a girl's habit. It is just taking your stuff. Like especially if y'all talking or if y'all dating, like if y'all together, like there it's like it is almost just in their nature. Like I had an ex that uh, she just loved this hat that I had, and she just packed it in her bag. Like, she had took a visit, and then when she went back to New York, she just had put it in her bag. And she told me she was, so I guess it's less grimy, but I was like, no. And she still did it. And, like, when I got back home from dropping her off, I was like, oh, she really took my hat. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, the person who tells you that they're going to rob you and then robs you is no better than the person who doesn't tell you they're <laughs> going to rob you and then robs you. So I, my condolences to you, brother. I, I remember my, my little brother got me a Dreamville t-shirt, my favorite color, J. Cole. I'm from North Carolina, one uh-huh. of my favorite rap artists. And the, the young lady, and she's, and you know, shout out to her. You know who you are. Um, but like, she, she wore my shirt and I told her, I said, that's my, something my little brother got to me, got for me. You know, if you're going to wear it, I need it back. I need it back. I don't mind you wearing it, but yeah. I'm going to need it back. And then all of a sudden, we stopped talking. You know, she, you know, got lost. You know, I had another woman take my Marvel, uh, you know, periodic table shirt. Ironically, that another person had gotten for me, like an ex had gotten for yeah. me. And it's like, I really loved it. It was a periodic table filled with all my Marvel characters that I love, like yeah. Wolverine, the Hulk, Black Panther, Spider-Man. And I, 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 I haven't seen it to this day. And so what I've learned is that, you know, I, I I can't be given, you know, people that aren't permanent, permanent things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and fellas. And things that you care about. Yeah, because I was just, I had to look at my, look inward and be like, bro, you shouldn't have never done that. You should have uh-huh. set boundaries. Uh-huh. Right? And, you know, fellas, ladies, with hoodie season coming up. Because it's getting cold, y'all. Mm-hmm. Hoodie season is coming up. T. Shaw mm-hmm. told you about his tragedy with the hoodies. We have, you have to find a way to make sure that you keep things that are important to you with you. I, yes. I'm talking about don't give no one no rings, no necklaces, nothing. no nothing that you feel like you want to ever see again because you can't, you just can't be out here trusting people. It's COVID. The world, the world is in turmoil. People might be a little bit more shysty, man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's beyond articles of clothing too. Ooh. So somebody gave me, um, somebody gave me a record player, right, right, uh, for maybe graduation or for my birthday, something like that. We had been talking about it for a while, so she gave it to me. And my ex last uh, uh, about a year ago, she kept saying that she wanted to use, like get one, right. And I was like, you know what, like mine, I, especially because I was at a, I was at a different home, and there was about three record players there. And they were trying to. She was trying to set up, buy one off somebody, and she was kind of lowballing them, so they didn't give it to her. So I was like, you know what? Like I, I'm here. I can play my records off of theirs. Like you can just, you can just have mine um, and use it. And then I had regretted it, so I asked for it back. She was like, yeah, you can have it back. Um, especially because she had never used it. It was just right. like it's a prop, like right. on her. I'm like, but it was, it was a gift that I got. I was like, so like, let me get it back. To this day, I still haven't gotten it back. But on top of that, I have a. Hand drawn Malcolm X 
uh, poster in this wood yeah. frame from 1963, Woo. and I'm finna get that month back, man. Um, it, I will go to war for it. I oh, go to man. war for it for sure. The war, the um, war. Because <laughs> I, I just told y'all I'm getting a new. I, I got approved for a new place. I'm supposed to move in in November. Um, and that's gonna be my Panther pad, and like it's gonna be my place. And I gotta. I'm trying to spice it up with the stuff that I really love. And I bought it, and um, I have never gotten. It. And it's crazy because I purchased it with my own money. And she made it a we thing. And I'm like, no, it's a me thing. Like, bro, you know what? You know what? But you you bring up an interesting topic. And you know what, T-Shaw? I don't, I don't want to do this to you. Yeah, you know up, what I'm up. saying? But this is a saucy question. This on is me. a spicy question. Can you handle it before I give yeah, it to you? Yeah, always, always. All right. So here's the thing, y'all. I can't, I can't speak. I won't speak for T-Shaw. I will speak as a very, very single, single young man. Um, you know, we talk about letting someone borrow something, right? Mm-hmm. But there's another sector of this, articles of clothing or, or, or just objects that we keep. It's called gifts, yeah. right? Actual gifts. Now, it's one thing when, you know, you're, you're with somebody and, you know, they borrow something and yeah. then you don't speak to them yeah. again. It's another thing when you get a gift from someone mm-hmm. that was always yours to keep. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get gifts from someone who is in your past or whatever... Are you? What happens when you enter a new relationship? Do you do you get rid of those gifts? Do you keep them? How, like, how do you navigate that? Because like recently, y'all, I've gotten some gifts, and I'm just like, I do not see myself getting rid of any of this ever. <laughs> and that's your fly. Yeah, man. Like I've gotten, a, I've got. You got some good gifts. I've gotten some good gifts. You you know who you are. Thank you so much. Um, but like. I, I'm just, I'm like, I can't really see myself getting rid of the gifts. And, and, and I was like, you know what? If a woman that I was exclusively dating had, had gifts from somebody else, I don't even know if I would want to know, honestly. I, really? It, if you did know, would you want them to get rid of it? Jeez, it, it just depends. Like, it, like. If he got you a house, like, you know, we can't live in the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's sell the house. Scream. What if it's a house in L.A.? Oh. You, that's, a, that's a million-dollar property. You going to make her get that up? I, we sell the house and get a new house or something, I maybe. mean, but look, the property keep going up. It might be worth about three in a few yeah, years. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? So, I, I, I don't know. But, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. But, like, if, okay, it's a, okay. if, if it's a shirt, if it's, like, a shirt, like, if she wants to keep the shirt, I'm going to be like, ooh. But like, at the, but like, if I found that she wanted to keep the shirt, it depends on how much she was pushing to want to keep the shirt and why. Because it's like I'm an out of sight, out of mind person. So it's like, yeah. if I see the shirt and the shirt just reminds me of old boy, I can't really do it like that. But at the same time, T-shirt, I'm one of the biggest hypocrites I know. So it's like, <laughs> it's like I, I'm not even gonna mention the gifts on this podcast just in case my future, future girl. Like, like that's how that's how like tra- trash I'm I am. Screaming. I'm not mentioning the gifts because I really like the gifts and the the likelihood that I'm ever gonna get rid of them are is 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 very very low. So it's like hopefully you know my future partner never finds out. But T. Shaw, do you feel like you could you could handle two two parts? Do you feel like you could handle? Uh, Wait, you gonna just skate past that? What? No, I can't. Look, man. So you gonna make her give it up or no? Like, uh, okay, oh, say it's man. a, uh, I don't know, say a necklace. It. Yeah, a necklace. Who child? Like, ha- like it depends. Like, if me and you can make beautiful memories with that necklace, like you know, I, maybe. But it's like, 
it would be tough because I can't be reminded of old, of old boy. I, I just can't. That's not that's not you my childish. Call. I am childish. I am childish. I'm an old soul, but I'm like hella childish too at the same time, simultaneously <laughs> and whatnot. So like I, I I don't see myself doing it, but at the same time, like in order to not be a hypocrite, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd probably have to. Um, you know, take that into consideration or... So would you give up your stuff or like would y'all give up, both give up y'all stuff or you would just be cool with y'all both keeping y'all stuff? You know what? Ah, dang it, If it T. had to be one or the other. Dang it, it, T. I think I, I'd i probably have to get rid of my stuff. Dang. I'd probably have to, depending on what it is. Like I can't get rid of a house. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But them the nice little trinkets you didn't got recently. Oh, T man, I look. Oh, oh, they custom made. Yes, <laughs> but like for for my look, look for the comfort of my partner. Yes. Okay, but what if she's like, okay, you like, oh, you find out that she got something that she care about and is from her significant or her ex, and then she like, okay, I give mine up, but you got to give these things up. Jeez, man. Like, she's not really pressed about it if she can keep her stuff, but, like, you got to get rid of yours, too, to, to not be a hypocrite. Right, right. I don't mind. If we're both getting rid of it, that's fine. Okay. But, like, it, it and once again, it depends because it's just, like, I just really like like the quality of my stuff. It's not, it has, and, 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 you know, and the person who gave it to me is great, but, like, right now, like, me and that person are not exclusively dating, so it's, like, it's not really, it's just, these are really just bomb gifts. And so, yeah. like, if her thing is like, oh, this is a bomb gift, yeah. that's one thing. But if it's like, yo, I remember the times I had, in, yeah. had in, when I was wearing this and it just means so much, that's when I'm getting scared and worried about the okay. future. Okay. Of I the feel that. I feel that. Yeah, what about you? For me, things are things. It, like, I, I don't associate anything with, like, people, really. Like, once it's mine, it's mine. Like, yeah, yeah. Um... I even if even if like my like uh my girlfriend right now was like, Oh, I don't like that you got this. Like, okay, that poster of I don't know if you ever seen it, it's a big painting of my uh dog that passed away. Nico. Oh no. Like my ex gave me that when he passed away. And like it was or he was he was dying. Right. Um and she got it for me. And he died a little bit later. Um, so she was like, Oh yeah, you gotta get that up. I was like, I don't even know if we can do this relationship. Like because right, right, it's more about him than like who gave it to right, me. Right, right. The same thing away any any of the cause I keep plenty of things. I I people have even made me handmade things. Like I have like a handmade um or it's like a painting. Somebody painted me like a picture of the moon when we were talking, because I I expressed that I really fucked with the moon. Like I really love full moons. I also like <laughs> lunar moons. I don't know what or like the little the little uh the crescent moons. I really fuck with the moon. I, I, love, I love the moon. I don't know what it is. Uh I there's a song that's that's why I love the moon by phony people. Shout out to them. Um but yeah, I really mess with the moon. So she uh painted me a picture of the moon. And I still have it to this day. Yeah. Cause I cherish that people took the time to get me something. More than anything, like it don't really remind me of her. It just remind me that people like are really genuine people sometimes. Like I think that that was really the sweetest thing ever, and I'm I'm gonna always keep it because like somebody really thought of like oh like he, this man like the moon. I'm gonna paint him the moon. So if somebody wanted me to get rid of it, I would be like kind of shook. Like, <laughs> and if it was reversed, I I don't care. Yeah, I could care less. And it's funny because I was just, me and her were just watching um. 
before 90 days. So like 90 Day Fiance, I don't know yeah. if you ever watched that. Yeah. Uh, it's jokes. <laughs> it's one of the things we watch right now. And dude was using a comb that his uh, his ex had gave him. Um, but I think it either had her name in it or her initials in it or something like that. Oh. See, that's that to me is weird. And like we talked about it and. I think we both were like, yeah, he probably should have just got rid of the comb. Because the thing is, it was just a comb. Yeah. Like now, it's a like it's not a painting of your dead dog. It's not, like, and the thing is, it's like if you really want me to get rid of this, and you gonna give me a new thing, because she was like, I'll just get you a new comb. And the thing is, it's a comb too. Right. Like it's not a shirt. Like it's a shirt you might not be able to find, All right. but like a comb is a comb. Like you can get a comb, and he and the thing is, she she. He said she was jealous, and he she had took it and she threw it away. And he went in the trash, got it, and put it in his back pocket. Oh no! And that's when no. I was like, that's where it kind of gets sketchy at. Yeah, yeah, because it's bad. bro, that's that's something that's easily replaceable. Right, right. Like if somebody was like, "Oh, Tristan, you got to get rid of this shirt," I'd be like, I mean, I don't have that much attachment to the shirt. The thing is, it's like I'm I'm down to keep the piece. Now, like, if it's a shirt, if that if it really bothers you, like, I'll get rid of it, but we're going to sit down and talk about why it really bothers you. Because, like, right. I'm not going to get, you just not going to get away with just making me get rid of my stuff. And right. also, you're going to replace me, you're going to give me a shirt right. that I really like, too, because I like this shirt. I bought this shirt. Right. So, hey, if you're watching this, like, I'm not getting rid of this shirt. It's my shirt. <laughs> just so uh, <laughs> But um, just in general, I think that, like, he wasn't willing to keep the peace because it was like it. He could see that it really bothered her. Because that's my thing. If it really bothers you, yeah, I do it. But like, not without like. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have to talk through it. We're gonna have to talk about it. Um. So I I guess that's how I approach it. But yeah, like, there's not things that really bother me because I think that there things hold sentimental value without it being attributed to a person. Um. All the time for me, like I have even. Um, my ex best friend that we were really close and we fell off. She, um, for my graduation, she wrote me these like little little cards, and it's like just memories that we kind of share together. Um, and like, um, they're they're colored. There's like one is black, one is like purple. I forgot what they both signify, but it's like oh, if you're ever down, like just pull one of these cards and like it's like a memory. Mm-hmm. To this day, I have read maybe half of them. I don't open it no more because we don't really talk. But I just think. I've never gotten rid of it because I think it's a cool gift. Like, this is a really thoughtful gift. And, like, I could get rid of it. Um, and somebody wanted me to get rid of it, I would. But I just think that, like, I don't know, to just trash it. And, like, somebody was really thoughtful. I think it's really more than anything with gifts, even for me, it's like it's the thought that counts. Yeah. It's the thought that counts. And it's really, like, I just can't believe people fuck with me like that. Like, it it don't have nothing to do with them. It's just like, wow, like, y'all, you really cared. At some point in your life... Like, we don't even have to be cool, but you cared about me at this point and, to, to make this handmade gift. And, and you feel like if, if your partner had, had something like that on, on the opposite end, you, you'd you be like, oh, I mean. Was, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I don't think that it has anything to do with, like, our relationship. Right. Like, if it was, like, a significant other and it was like, oh, remember that one time we was doing it in the back of the, the, the truck? Right. Burp, 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 burp. Then I would be like, well, that's weird. But right. if it was, like... You share moments with people that are in the past, and like I've shared like plenty of moments, very intimate moments with like exes doing different things, and like it's a memory that I have. And if it was written down somewhere, I don't know if I would keep it. I don't know because I I know it, but it's 
I don't know. I, I think that from at least for me that I don't think about them at, really ever. And if I do, it might be kind of negative. <laughs> so. well, 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 and you know what? You're. I think you're helping me be be more 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 mature about it as we as we speak because I think that like I remember this is one amazing gift I made for my ex, but like I made it knowing that like. I'm, I met, it was like a collage. It was like on a poster board. Mm-hmm. And it was just like all of her mentors, her little nephew, and like it was just some encouraging words for yeah. her. And I literally, when I gave it to her, I was like, hey, baby, like, look, this is something that I want you to have for the rest of your life. Like, even if me and you aren't together anymore, because I want you to remember how strong and awesome you are. Mm-hmm. And so like, and, and as I think about it, like, if she, if I found that she threw it away, then like, that's cool, whatever. But like, that would be more hurtful to her than me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that I definitely understand like some gifts just are, remind you of good moments that don't necessarily have to do with like that, that other person, person yeah. but it's just something that's like great for you. Yeah. You know what I'm absolutely, saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it goes back to that idea of selfishness. Like this is something that is empowering me mm-hmm. and making me feel, feel good. And it has, and, and like, she doesn't want me. I don't want her, but it's like. It's like that's something that she can always take. That's something that her future kids can look at and be like, yeah. that's my mom. She's yeah. strong. She's powerful. Absolutely. I don't, like the man who gave this to her is, is irrelevant. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it can be it can be a, a, a anonymous author. Like, right, right, exactly. And so I, I think I think that's a, a it's a really sort of good conversation to have. And and I think that like you said before, it's about that internal work. Yeah. So like, does something bother you that much to make your partner get rid of it and to make your partner get rid of something and like. Do you ever have a feeling of like, oh, I don't really want to get rid of this? And, and in both of those situations, you have to explore. Unpack it. Unpack, Unpack it. it. It's just like, why? Because if we can get to the root of why, it, it doesn't really matter what we're doing. Like, I can get rid of it. I don't have to get rid of it. But like, why? Why do we have to take this step? And it's just like, it's good for me to ask that for myself, but it's also good for you to ask that. Like, because it's okay to be jealous. It's a natural reaction. But, like, why are you jealous? Because it, like, it has to be an insecurity, and it's like, okay, well, why are we insecure? So is it something with our relationship right now that's making you think that, like, oh, if this nigga has this gift from his ex, then he might go back to her? Because then that's something that we have to unpack. So I, I think that, yeah, because I, I just thought about that uh, thing with the um, that comb a lot, because I was just like, it was weird. Like, she was jealous for kind of no reason, and they were married, so I guess it kind of had something, and it had her. It really had her name or her initials in it. And I thought that that was weird because it's like, and he was just saying like, oh, it's a comb. It's just something I've been using for a bunch of years. And But it's like, really? It's a comb. Like, at the end of the day, it's a comb. And if it doesn't mean that much to you, then let it be in the trash. And if you're going to get it out of the trash, tell tell your wife if, if, if that's how you feel about it. Yeah. Like, for you to hide it, too. Well, he picked it up in front of her. Oh, never But mind. then he, like, walked out. He was just upset. He put it in his back pocket. And he was just like, why would that, she do that? Like, bruh, 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 bruh. But why are you so defensive when it's like, oh. A comb, bro. And it's like, she was like, I can get you a comb with your initials in it. Like. Yeah. Like, I, you know. so it, And I understand that people have attachments to some things. But, like, I don't know. It, it really... I don't know, it's figuring out, like we were talking about partnerships, it's like learning how to work with your partner. If, like, something is affecting your partner um, and you're too selfish to, like, understand that, then, like, that's a problem. But also, if you're too bothered to understand that, like, something might mean something to your partner other than, like, what you've kind of understood, then that's selfish, too. So it's just trying to be able to see, like, be empathetic, I guess. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so thinking... Thinking about uh, things, things and articles, and like how they have sentimental value. Sometimes, you know, last week we we were we were not here, um, but last week 
something monumental happened no, that, no. Had, that, that hadn't happened in a, in a decade. And, you know, it, it's what we're going to talk about for our spotlight. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in, spotlight for Bruin Black is when we um, highlight some good works or actions or deeds that are happening in the community. Um, when we're, and we're here in L.A., so we usually try to focus it on people and things in L.A. And so mm-hmm. last week, y'all... LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh-huh. brought LA a championship. Number 16? Yes, after se- after 10 years at, from yes. a drought, right? 10 a whole, years? A whole decade. whole decade. So, you know, my, my voice is a little hoarse. I was celebrating that. Um, the that man ho- was downtown. In the Staples Center making all types, taking all types of risks. Unfortunately, y'all pray for me. <laughs> um, but it was beautiful. Um and you know what, Tisha? Like, I I feel like um, it, it's it's a spotlight, especially for LeBron, because you know LeBron came. He's in his thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, thirty five, going to be thirty six. Yes, December. yes. And it was like thinking about all the hate that that he got. He, you know, he comes to L. A. Mm-hmm. He gets injured for the first time, like a serious one. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't even make the playoffs after nine years of going straight there. He goes, and then just to come back next year, right, mm-hmm. and to, like, bypass all the odds. You know, Kawhi had come doing commercials about being the new king of L.A., yeah. had been talking smack, like, yo, why, tell LeBron not to be afraid to guard me. And LeBron comes back, and he 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 says, he makes a promise to L.A. He says, I'm gonna, the playoff drought's going to be over. You know, Kobe, then Kobe passes away, right? And he's just going through all this different types of turmoil only to come back and to do what he promised L.A. he mm-hmm. would do. And so I, I think it's, you know, the, you know, America, as effed up as our history is, you know, the one thing that we all appreciate is the comeback story. Absolutely. Right? Like, I struggled. I struggled. Everyone was against me. Everyone's talking all this mess. Everyone thinks I'm the Wash King. That was one of his hashtags mm-hmm. for a long time. Just for him to come back and prove, hey, I'm the king of this basketball shit. Yeah. I'm yep. is me. Yep. Bow down, LeBron. LeBron was telling um the he was talking to the Larry O'Brien MVP award and he was like, Hey, look, or is it the Larry O'Brien? Or, yeah, Larry O'Brien, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So and he was like, You cheated, you cheated my ass for four, five, four, five. Oh, it's years. the Bill Russell. Bill Russell, yeah, yeah. Bill, it's the Larry O'Brien trophy, Bill Russell uh, MVP. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. So and he was like, Yo, you cheated my ass for like four or five years. He was mm-hmm. telling that because he cause that's how confident he was in his abilities. So like it, for me. As a LeBron fan, and I know you. I know you from Ohio, so you know you, you. You know you appreciate his efforts too. But it was just like, dang! Like he went through all that turmoil, but was able to keep mentally strong because now he has to win the championship in the bubble. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, and so like for him to come back, it's I was just so proud. Yeah. yeah. Um. So my question is, LeBron the goat? Do you think LeBron is the goat? Ooh, I child. think it's a loaded question for me. He has to be. Um. I think that like. For somebody to go to the finals, what, nine straight times, um, ten times in total. Right. Yeah, he has a few losses on his record. I think he's four and six now, right? Yeah. Um, I think he's going to get six. And I think that's going to make the conversation even much tighter. Woo. Um, but I think that people don't look at how, like, there's there's times Michael Jordan lost before the finals. Like, yeah, he didn't lose in the finals, but he lost before the finals. Right. He always had a squad, too. I think that that's something important to point out. He always had a squad. Yeah. Like, we think about LeBron's first loss when he got swept by the, the Spurs. Um, he didn't have nobody. He was playing with Booby Gibson and Sasha Pavlovich and Zagrun- Zagrunis Elgowskis. Like, y'all know who those are. Cleveland people do, but y'all don't. The year that he lost, the first year he lost back with uh, the Cavs when uh, Kevin Love got hurt. And Kyrie broke his knee. 
he he should have won the MVP that year. They gave the person that that guarded him finals MVP. They gave it to Andre Iguodala for attempting to guard him. He still was averaging like 30-something. Still d- damn near a triple-double. So I think that, that even that one is hard to count that loss. Yeah. We think about uh, the last year that he played with the Cavs. Um, they were like a fourth or fifth seed. They shouldn't have even been there. Like, if you're thinking about how, like, it really should have played out, um, he took them, and, yeah, like, they got smoked because they had KD in them. Like, KD, Clay, all of them, like, it was a loaded team. So, like, still, he was still doing things. He was hitting game winners just to take them to that spot. Like, so people look at the losses he has in the finals, but they're not looking at, like, what it took to get him to the finals. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, to me, like, at least we can say that LeBron is the greatest playoff um, player of all time. I think that, that that's easy for me to say because it doesn't – it's not just the finals. Like, how many series he's won, how many teams he's taken to places that they shouldn't have won, the, how he's manhandled teams um, himself. Like, the Toronto Raptors that year, I think they was the number one seed, and they swept them. And he finished them with a game winner off his left foot going to the right. Like, something crazy. Like, um, so, yeah, what do you think? I, you know what? It's, it's interesting because – you know, I think I think there can be a difference between like who's the greater pl- basketball player, just strictly basketball, and who's like yeah. the greater athlete. Like, yeah. if I had to choose someone to be, it would be LeBron James without question, yeah. um, because of all of his efforts. You know, whether it be the, his I Promise School mm-hmm. or just him speaking out normally on like black issues, like mm-hmm. when the Trayvon stuff was going on, like him, like Miami being like one of the first teams to like step up and wear yeah. the shirt, the hoodies. Yeah. Um, like he, he's just been a staple in that way that like, and I know Jordan has done some things in, in, in the community, but like Jordan is a Republican. But, but yeah, but like Jordan has also had chances to speak up mm-hmm. and, and like put, push black people and black agendas forward and like it's he's declined. Yeah, because he, all it was, uh, for him was about basketball, so I think and, that, and money, right? And money, uh, right? It was like he, I think he said like uh, Republic. Republicans buy Jordans too. Yeah, right. right? And, and so for me, it's like when we look at the finals records. So like you could say that you know Jordan went to the finals, you know, six times and won, and never got to a game seven. But like you can't say that like because he has more rings than LeBron that he's a better player because there are people who have more rings than Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can't, right. You can't say that like because he has a better record in the finals that that you know he's a better better player because you know you have folks like I think it's like Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Like Joe Montana might have a better record, but like it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily say that he's better than Tom Brady because yeah. you would look at the body of work. Absolutely. And so like you know LeBron's been to the finals more times. He's He's lost as many times as Jordan's gotten the opportunity to be in them in the first place. Absolutely. So it's like, I think that argument will always, you know, sort of be going back and forth. And it's, and it's like, you know, just really appreciating LeBron for who he is and what he's doing right mm-hmm. now um, is, is the main thing. I, but I think if I was talking, if I was talking about strictly just basketball, I think that because Jordan, all Jordan cares about is basketball and he doesn't necessarily his his legacy isn't going to be about the impact he made on the world yeah. outside of just basketball. LeBron's will be. Yeah. So I I would say I would still probably pick Jordan as number one as strictly a basketball player. Okay. But if if I had to choose someone to be, it's LeBron because he's still in that yeah. top echelon. Yeah. But the impact he's made I think has been way bigger. And of course, props to Jordan because like Jordan set the way for LeBron to like do that stuff. But mm-hmm. Le- but LeBron did that stuff and took it to the next level in terms of being the man in a balanced way, not just in basketball, Absolutely. not just with money. Absolutely. And 
I still think I'm going to have to rock with LeBron as a better it. player, too. But that's because, like, I've watched him play my whole life. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, Kobe and Jordan are the same type of player that, like, they're going to get it. They're going to get their bucket. But that's, like, the type of player that they are. Right. I've never seen somebody that is so physically gifted be able to, like, make his teammates better. It's like that's with the, the Lakers, it's like, yeah, they have bums and stuff. And, like, Kobe going Kobe gonna to get 36. Kobe going to get 38. It's kind of like James Harden now. Like, right. James Harden going to get his, but, like, you're going to shut the team down. Like, LeBron is taking bums because it's like LeBron going to get his, but he also going to make all of his teammates better. Right. He going to take people up to a higher level. And I'm like, it is something that you never probably are going to see again because it's like the say is I think they talk about how, like, Danny Green missed that shot and, like, oh, they wanted LeBron to shoot that shot. But LeBron drew three defenders and pulled them off and gave Daniel Green a, a like he's by himself in the gym type of shot. Like that's somebody I don't know if anybody else in the league can do that. Um, and I think that that again like reinforces as a leader. And I think that that is something that I kind of look like as a as an overall basketball player, somebody that can rebound, uh, assist, uh, shoot, uh, score, like steal, block. I think that like he has. He has the full package. Well, yeah, and, and actually, like your point about like he's always like he's you can always put LeBron somewhere and like expect him to like make people reach the finals mm-hmm. because like he was he, like you know people talk about the competition, but it's not like LeBron hasn't gone through all these different Hall of Famers. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Plus, you know Jordan never won without you know Pippen, and of course yeah. LeBron has always had had someone, but like he's. Jordan never got to the finals without Pippen, right? Mm-hmm. LeBron has gotten to the finals damn near by himself Absolutely. before. Like, just Cleveland, that 2007, I think it was, 2007. team. Like, oh, my God. Like, and, and so, you know, yeah, you definitely got to think about that. And, like, just the fact that, like, he elevates his teammates so mm-hmm. much. It's incredible. So, um, oh, yeah, and then people will talk about, um, you know, well, LeBron's not as clutch as Jordan, but, like, LeBron has made more postseason um, you know, game winners. game winners, and of course, that's he's had way more. Yeah, and and like you can use that as an argument against him, mm-hmm. but like that's argument also an argument for him. Like he's, yeah. I've had more opportunities because I've been to the finals. Yeah. Where have y'all been? It's it's like comparing him to Kawhi, where it's just like yeah. Kawhi. Oh, he's a better player than LeBron, but it's like LeBron's over there. Like, well, you gotta meet me at meet me where I'm at. You can't even Absolutely. meet me. You can't Absolutely. even get here. Yep. So no, nah, yeah, definitely shout out to LeBron. Shout out to eighties. Shout out to all these players and like. It's just, it's so crazy because it's like you felt like Kobe's spirit was sort of guiding them in a sense. And, and but, and it's very unfortunate um, that he wasn't able to, to be here. But like, what, what a great, not into a story, but like, what a great, you know, sort of re- reconciliation in terms of all the stuff that LA has been going through Absolutely. to now be national champions. And of course, we'd rather have Nipsey and, and Kobe back. But like, man, like, we, like, like, it is, L.A. has been hurting so much, mm-hmm. and it needs this so much right Absolutely. now. Something to be happy about and to have hope in. Absolutely. I think you said it best. Yeah, so um, with that said, I, I think that's about everything, T-Shaw. Yeah, bro, that's all I got, too. Look, look, well, look, we want to say thank you all for tuning in. Um, you know, we, we really got into the stu- the stuff today, um, and we want to know what you all think. Mm-hmm. Be sure to, you know, DM us, um, you know, get at us on Twitter at uh, Bruin Black Pod. 
um, and get at us on Instagram at Brewing Black Podcast. Like we always say, you know, we got more stuff coming for you. More, we're gonna have more ways for you to engage with us. Always, um, and we're gonna be engaging, engaging with you all um, more, more too. So just be looking out, out for that. Um, we, because we, you know, we really care about everything that you all are doing and all the support that you've been giving us. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, you know. Yeah, yeah. So like we like to say, keep the coffee black. black. And we like our coffee like we like our women. Black! <laughs> Alright, y'all. It was a great time. I hope y'all enjoyed the show and we will see y'all next week. Peace. Holla.